Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. What is up, my friends? You are very, very welcome along to tonight's Late Night Agenda. I hope life is treating you well. I hope uh, I hope you're enjoying the decent dry spell of weather that we're having here in the UK and Ireland. And welcome to Craig's Weather Service, because apparently that's what I'm doing now in my intros. So look, I hope we're all good, and I see I have a few thank yous to get through straight away. Mark, thank you for gifting uh, two memberships. Really appreciate that. Three memberships, actually, Mark. Thank you so much. Really do appreciate that. And we have lots to go through tonight, my friends. We're going to be talking about the Richard Keys, Gary Neville, well, different sides of the refereeing debate. We're going to be talking about Andre a little bit as well, of course, and lots of other bits and pieces over the next, what, the next hour or so. So... I hope you all joined Adam for the watch along over on top of the league. It was his first one and I'm really, uh, really happy that he got it out of the way. And I think he performed very well. I was tuning in for bits and pieces of it. So uh, good to see Adam finally pop his cherry with the old top of the league watch alongs. So we all good? Uh, Colin's in the chat as well. How are we doing, Colin? Nice to see you as always. Ellis Moore's in there. Blair's video channel. Caleb, how are we? Appreciate y'all being in. Uh, Champions League night as well. And it, it, it just hits a little bit different, doesn't it, when we're not in it? Every Tuesday and Wednesday when the Champions League games are on, it does it does hit home to me that we're in Thursday night football. That Thursday-Sunday rhythm. God, I hate it. Um, how are you? Hope the family are well. Yeah, all good, thank you, mate. All good. Pretty, pretty relaxed day today, so... Uh, just trying to uh, get through as much stuff as I can in the background on these quieter days with regards to the streams and stuff. So, it does seem later than it is, Reese. Yes, that's a good show. I thought it was just me, but this day definitely does feel a little bit longer than it normally does. So, uh, look, I have a couple of things to let you guys know about tonight is, of course, Oosh Night. So, we'll be going through and giving you the latest from our friends at Oosh who have a couple of fantastic giveaways in store for you guys. So, I'll let you know about that in a few minutes' time. Uh, Adam was great today, loved it, said Mary Nelson, thank you Mary, I'm sure Adam will appreciate the kind feedback as well, uh, James McCrory, how are you dude, nice to see you in, Hardy, nice to see you mate, 
Nice to see Spurs struggling last night. Oh, look, can we talk about that for a minute before we get stuck into the Liverpool stuff? Because two things I want to go back over from last night. One, I don't know if I owe Ange Postacoglu an apology, but I have to say he took it like a champ. He took everything that went in that game last night and he didn't come out and spout and moan about it. And I have to give the man his credit. I do, you know. I thought he was going to lose his, his shit after it, but he came out and... He's just very likeable, isn't he? Every time I hear him speak, I just think, you know what? He's just a straightforward, honest fella. So fair play to him for uh, the way he dealt with everything last night. But it was refreshing to see to see uh, Spurs get a little taste of what happened to us at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Going down to nine men. Chelsea were having goals ruled out every two minutes as well. Now, look, they were all correctly ruled out. I'm not trying to say that there was any shenanigans on that front. But I still don't know how it took so long for both Romero and Udogi to see red cards. I think they both should have been off for the first incidents, but either way, they got there in the end. And a comprehensive 4-1 victory with a hat-trick for uh, Jackson as well for Chelsea. So that will liven up the title race a little bit. You know, Manchester City now currently sitting top of the table. Then it's Arsenal. Then it's... Oh, no, sorry. Then it's Spurs. Then it's us. Then it's Arsenal. It just makes me think as well, if we had a beaten Luton, oh God, we would have been even closer. Colin, thank you for a super chat of the night. And hey, cutie, Adam wasn't a fan of me calling him that. Uh, he was great tonight in a new perspective. Uh, love you more than life itself. Wow, you, you need to get a better life. <laughs> I'm not worth loving more than life itself, mate. Adam will get used to you, Colin. Don't worry, he'll get used to you. Probably just a shock to the system from to be surrounded by so many Liverpool fans as well in the chat earlier on tonight. Um... Yeah, I know, yeah. Oshin McGinley's just raised a good point. Unfortunately, we do know the officials for the game against Brentford at the weekend, my friends. And unfortunately, Mr. Paul Tierney is going to be the man in the middle for Liverpool's game against Brentford. The Premier League and the PGMOL did confirm the appointments earlier on. And it's Paul Tierney who's the ref. His assistants are going to be Scott Ledger and Mark Scholes. Uh, fourth official, Tim Robinson. And on VA or Judy Stewart Atwell. So, shall we start guessing now? Which which part of the game Paul Tierney is going to screw up for us? Because there will be something. I don't care. We can all have our opinions about other referees or whatever. But Tierney and Kloppo have beef. They do have beef. And he always finds a way. He always finds a goddamn way to make it more difficult for us. And I expect no different when he uh, referees this game against Brentford. Spurs and nine men. Sounds kind of familiar, said Ali. Have you seen the officials for Chelsea versus City? No, Luke, I haven't. Um, I barely have enough time to keep an eye on our own officials for our game, so do fill me in. Uh, do fill me in. Blame the refs, not Tottenham. I mean, I was... You know, well, you're right, Dolores, but Spurs did celebrate like they'd won the Champions League with that really late goal and... Uh, you know, I don't really have sympathy for them because they were a little bit uh, snotty towards us after that game. Some of them Spurs players and certainly the Spurs fans. So it was um, it was a little bit of karma last night. And I, I can't say I didn't enjoy it because I did. When do you expect Man City to get the result of their cheating? Oh God, I don't know. I still don't think we're... I think we're a year away minimum from getting to any type of resolution. And that'll be, what, five and a half years at that point? It's it's becoming pathetic. It really is. Because the longer it drags on, the worse it looks. And the more stuff they get to, to keep winning. 
because you know people will say they've broken even now but i don't care because it's how they got to that point that's important so let's wait and see what happens there but it's not a great look is it when it drags on this long i know city are going and saying no we'd like it quickly and all this they don't they're the ones dragging their heels as far as i'm aware what do you think of the tragedy chanting loot and apology well there's a video up on the channel mate where i very clearly give my views on the loot and apology or well Calling it an apology, I think, is a stretch. Let's start with that one. I thought it was pathetic, and I said pretty much exactly that in the uh, the little rant I had as I went through the letter last night, or the statement, I should say. Your 18th birthday today. Harry, how are you? It's Izzy, one of our moderators, 18th birthday as well. She's currently in a, a weather spoon somewhere, tucking into a pitcher of cocktails, so happy birthday to Izzy as well. Anthony Taylor is the man who was... Uh, refereeing the Chelsea game Ooh, ouch I know how much you guys don't like Anthony Taylor mate Rachel you're very kind my friend thank you Rachel's gifted five Anfield agenda memberships which is uh, extremely kind so look before I get stuck into tonight's news stories just uh, a couple of words from our sponsors as you know Oosh do a couple of great giveaways and we try to pitch one or two each week this week we've got two belters for you how would you like to see Liverpool against Fulham at Anfield on Saturday the 2nd of December? Our friends at Oosh have a 99 entries max high roller competition. It's €20 Euro to enter, but you can enter for €18 Euro with your Anfield Agenda discount AA10. The prize package includes two tickets to see Liverpool versus Fulham, both in the cup. One night's accommodation at the Apart Hotel Adagio Liverpool City Centre. You will get €300 Euro in Ryanair vouchers if you so need them. If you don't, you can have the cash alternative. And 10% of all profits from this draw go to Movember. As always, all of these draws are conducted over on the Oosh website. But wait and you have a look at this one, my friends. Watch this one. Watch the screen here now. Oosh have an absolutely humongous giveaway that they're doing at the minute where you can win a whole host of prizes as you can see on the screen there now you can win up to 300 prizes instantly as you can see there the list of prizes there's a 30 grand prize pot 10 quid in the cash or 10 grand in cash is the main prize 315 instant win prizes when you buy your ticket for €2.49 before your Anfield Agenda discount, that ticket automatically generates a number. And if that number corresponds to one of the other prize pool numbers, you win those prizes. Or you can go into the main draw as well to win 10 grand. So there's over 300 prizes there from Oosh. And once again, you can use your 10% discount code to get into that draw for just €2.25 by using AA10. All the draws are conducted live over on the Oosh Facebook page. Check that out for further instructions. And of course, check out their all new website and app. Right, my friends, we all good? So that's the ad reads done. That's the good news. Now we can get stuck into the footy stuff. Let's. What do we want to start off with tonight? Do we want to start off with the Richard Keys, um, Gary Neville stuff? Or do we want to go into the Andre twist? Because there's uh, been a lot written about Andre today, particularly around interest from Fulham. Let's hear about the corruption. Okie dokie. Let's get straight into that one then. So, it's a sad day when you find yourself agreeing with Richard Keyes on anything, right? It's a tough day when you find yourself agreeing with Richard Keyes on that. But today, unfortunately, I do find myself agreeing with Richard Keyes. So, let's, let's give you guys a bit of context on this one. So, writing in his own blog, this is what Richard Keyes, or part of what Richard Keyes had to say about the current state of refereeing in the Premier League and what agendas are being pushed. This might take you back a little bit, so 
brace yourselves. He said, I'm in the luxurious position of being able to say what I think about the falling standards of officiating in our league. But imagine taking a call from a high-ranking Premier League broadcast official reminding you who pays your wages. Scary. It happened to two people that I know recently. The message was clear. Stop criticising refs. What sort of world are we living in, said Richard Keyes, when people who run the game also want to steer the narrative? That's scary. And look, this is Richard Keyes... I won't say opinion because it's not an opinion, but this is his story to tell. And he believes that two people that he knows that work in the broadcasting industry around Premier League games were basically called and warned not to be criticising referees by a Premier League broadcast official. Think about that for a second. Rather than be able to give your honest, um, unfiltered opinion, which is what we all like in football or in anything, let's be honest, it's what I try to do here. Imagine having a Premier League official, a broadcast official, ringing you up as you're trying to do your job to tell you not to be criticising referees. It doesn't sit well, does it? Now, I'm going to contrast that to what Gary Neville had to say, and then we can see which side of the fence both of these people seemingly are on. So this is a little taste of what Gary Neville had to say. He went on a bit of a a long-winded conversation here, and you can find it on The Echo, you can find it on Sky Sports, and you can find it in many other places. Well, this is some of what he's had to say. What I'm saying is the clubs themselves should definitely behave better in these circumstances. I'm looking at the Premier League now and the leadership in the Premier League because the reality is they have got to start protecting referees. So the Premier League, according to Gary, need to start protecting referees because God love them. They're in so much harm's way. At the start of the season, I was excited by the new transparency, the apologies to managers, and the fact that the referees were communicating with the clubs. But in return, what they're getting is significantly and seriously undermined by their own clubs. And I think the Premier League and the other clubs, to be fair, have to get with the clubs in order who are writing these letters. So he wants other Premier League clubs to basically have a go at the Premier League clubs who dare speak out and accuse these referees of failing to do their jobs properly. He just wants everybody to shut up and know their place. Ironic that for Mr Neville who loves to harp on about everything wrong at Manchester United at every given opportunity. Now I'm going to continue on. He said, I think this is uncharted territory. The idea of these letters being written, to me it feels like Mikel Arteta has gone off on one on Saturday, which is fine. He's emotional and he's almost gone or he's almost certainly gone to his board on the Sunday and said you need to back me and they've fallen for it that's what Neville said they've fallen for it so he thinks Arteta has hoodwinked the Arsenal board and they've fallen for it Arsenal as an institution as a football club are massive great wonderful football club with a huge history they should behave better than that they'll feel disappointed I think in a few years whoever it is that sanctioned that statement. I do think the Premier League have to come down on their clubs. So again, Gary wants punishment. Gary wants the Premier League to come down on these clubs who dare ask the question, why are we getting stuck with subpar officiating? Why are these mistakes consistently happening? Why are you constantly having to apologise for not doing the right thing? Gary thinks the Premier League clubs should just put their hands up and say sorry for daring to ask for better. I'll go on. He said, um, I know the Premier League is the clubs, but I do think they have to now really say to clubs, come on, we expect a lot better than this. Seriously? 
Gary, come on. I respect Gary Neville immensely as a pundit. I do. I respect him a lot. I think what him and Jamie Carroll could do on Monday Night Football is tremendous. But I feel he talks out of both sides of his mouth at times. Now, shall we look back at an era where Mr. Neville played for Manchester United under Sir Alex Ferguson, where they loved to surround referees and chase them around the pitch and get up in their faces and moan at them and criticise them and try to, dare I say, intimidate on some occasions. And yet here we have Gary Neville telling us all that we need to respect referees and that the Premier League need to come down on these clubs who are putting out statements criticising per referee decisions. I mean, he does know he's not the Prime Minister of Football, right? Because he seems to have an opinion on everything. An opinion on how Manchester United should be run. An opinion on how football clubs should be managed by managers. Uh, I would just direct you to his own little spell as a manager of Valencia. And as I said, I've nothing but respect for Gary Neville. I really, really do. I think he's a great pundit. But he doesn't half talk a load of shite a lot of the time. And here we are again, having Neville telling other clubs like Liverpool and Arsenal that daring to stand up for yourselves and expecting better from the most watched league in the world from the most cash generating league in the world that has subpar officials am i wrong on this or is it a warped world where i find myself agreeing with richard keys like that that doesn't sit well with me it doesn't me agreeing with richard keys does not sit well with me but um i'm i'm at a loss honestly with neville on this one Yeah, I'm going to have to bite my tongue a little bit because if I say what I really am thinking, I'll probably land myself in hot water. But basically, I think Gary Neville sometimes just needs to shut the fuck up because I don't know if he loves the sound of his own voice or if he truly does feel that he is the voice of football because he tries to be statesman, owner, politician and all things to all men. I just wish he'd shut up on this one because we're all sick of it. We're all sick to death of seeing these shitty officiating week in and week out and the subpar decision making. And most importantly, we're sick of the undue influence that referees and VAR officials are having on the outcome of really important games of football. Um, I dare say that when it comes when United are shafted out of a decision, and it will come because, you know, it does do the rounds, these shitty decisions... I will look to see what he has to say then, because I fully expect him to speak out the other side of his mouth when it affects United. Uh, Callum said, as you said, Craig, I'll come back to bite every club, which it is doing, so no sympathy, said Callum. Um, the refs have gone too soft and make stupid decisions too, said Dylan. I don't know about them going too soft, mate. I just think referees... I think, as I keep coming back to the same phrase, I just feel referees are having an undue influence on the outcome of big, big games. And do you know what? I kind of find myself erring towards what Ange Postacoglu said last night about the days where we just accept that mistakes are going to be made and we get on with it. But when you introduce VAR, when you bring in video analysis and you're analyzing everything down to the nth degree slow motion replays like frame by frame as Ange Postacoglu rightly said you've got this quest for perfection and it's simply never going to happen but what I really agreed with him on was the standing around and the waiting and the length of time for these decisions it really is impacting the flow of a football game and Ange Postacoglu spoke about the fact that 
with his Spurs teams or with any of his teams, he likes them to play a high intensity, a fast moving game. And that's been broken up when these decisions are taken two or three or four minutes at a time. So we'll never get back to the days of no VAR, but I do find that's the side I'm coming down on now. I'm, I'm agreeing with Ange Postacoglu and almost longing for the days where we didn't have to put up with it because the most important one that I think we'll all agree on, no matter what club you support, is that moment when your team score. And it used to just be you waited a couple of seconds to see if the linesman put the flag up. But now you've got to wait for that. And then you've got to wait for the VAR check. And some of the stuff they look for in the VAR checks is is ludicrous to me. Some of them I've seen checks and I'm wondering what the hell they're looking at. So I'd like to know your thoughts on it tonight. Do you agree with Gary Neville? Should the Premier League come down on clubs like Liverpool or Arsenal that release these type of statements demanding better? Or do you think that the situation that Richard Keyes has described where... Two broadcasters receive phone calls telling them and reminding them who pays their wages uh, from Premier League broadcast officials and telling them to basically stop criticising referees. Uh, I would rather the referees stop being poor, personally, rather than us stop criticising them. Because the last sentence of what Richard Key said here, it's really true. What sort of world are we living in when the people who run the game also want to steer the narrative? I agree wholeheartedly with that. You should be able to criticise. One of the things we do here on Anfield Agenda is criticise the players in Jurgen when they put in a poor performance or they're not playing well. And we have the freedom to do that without having to wonder who's going to be ringing us up or emailing us and moaning at us. And that's why we want the freedom to do what we do and why we have no interest in being officially affiliated with the club or having interviews with the club or having access to the club. I like the freedom to be able to say what I want to say. But apparently, the same doesn't apply to broadcasters. Apparently, they're getting told to stop criticising referees. Isn't surely the desire, or shouldn't the desire be, to just get better referees? To have better outcomes? To, I don't know, not forget to give perfectly good goals? Only wise men should comment on morality, said John Williams. Um... The fact Keyes is in the right is actually scary, said Daniel Mullen. Uh, we have a word for it in the States, ref ball. Uh, ref ball isn't one thing, a bad decision. Ref ball is what happens when referees decide to take centre stage and allow the players to decide things, said Henderson Galbraith. I think, I think you're right. And that's what I think is happening in the Premier League time and time again. Um referees are having too much of an impact. Uh, Ramira said, Hey Craig, I'm feeling a bit better and I really want to watch the stream and have a great time. Well, we hope you enjoy it, mate. And um, again, glad to hear you're feeling a little bit better. What happened to Andre? Nothing. Yeah. I'll go through the Andre situation in a few minutes because I know that there's been some talk that Fulham are in pole position and that, but trust me, I'll give you clarity as much as I can on that in a few minutes' time. VAR is a joke, said Phoenix. Actually, do you know what? Let's have a poll. Let's have a poll. One second. Right, I'm going to ask you a simple question. Should VAR be taken away? Yes or no? 
if you could go back to a time when there was no VAR, would you prefer it or would you not? So, VAR to be taken away or scrapped, yes or no? I'm going to leave that poll up for, for a good while because I'd like to get as many opinions on this as I can. Um, what happened with Andre? Again, I will get to that in a moment, mate. I can't go through all the news in two minutes or be a very short stream. So, let's uh, give people a chance to have their their take on this situation. And then, of course, we will move on to speak about Andre and we'll look ahead to the Toulouse game. Uh, the poor decisions only seem to affect teams that are potential threats to Manchester City, said Dodger. Um, do you know what, mate? I'd be lying to you if I said that at times last night when I was watching that Spurs-Chelsea game, there wasn't occasions where I thought, oh, this is a stitch-up. Chelsea are being shafted. Obviously, I have no proof of any of that, but I can't say that I really disagree with what you've said. It does. Uh, I don't know why anybody would want Manchester City to win things, by the way, um, other than perhaps undue uh, political influence, maybe. But I don't know. You've got to be careful, obviously, when you talk about these things, but... It does seem like some clubs get a bit more of the rub of the green, shall we say. Um, John Williams said, Really, Craig, fans, players and clubs should decide the rules. We and they pay everybody's wage. Do you know what gets me? I thought about this yesterday, right? Tell me if I'm wrong on this, by the way. Tell me if I'm talking shit. So, two incidents I want to just draw your attention to. And I'd look, actually... What, why are we on the stream? 23 minutes 50. So 24-ish minutes, Connor. Remember that. 24 minutes. So I'd like to get your opinion on something if I can, folks. Two instances over the past few days have really made me think about football and one of the basic rules of it. And that's the handball rule. So I want to draw you, your attention back to Virgil van Dijk's header that hit the elbow of one of the Luton players and wasn't given as a penalty. I think it was Ross Barkley, if I'm not mistaken. He was going backwards and his arms are up and it hits his elbow and the referee said no penalty. Now, let's for a second say that we're all okay with that being no penalty. Just just for a minute, humour me and say, okay, we all agree that that wasn't done on purpose and no handball. Just for a second, even if you disagree with me, just for a second. Now we'll fast forward to Raheem Sterling's disallowed goal for Chelsea against Spurs last night, where from close quarters, the ball ricocheted up, hit someone's leg, and then hit Raheem Sterling's arm. The ball then goes down onto the ground. Raheem Sterling steadies himself and scores. So in this crazy warped world that we currently find ourselves in, an accidental handball is fine for a defender, but an accidental handball for an attacker, instantly bad. Make that make sense. It's either a handball or it isn't. It's like they've made one rule for defenders and one rule for attackers. And the one that they favoured is the one that takes away goals. Not the one that adds more goals in entertainment. The one that takes away goals. So why can a forward not have an accidental handball, but a defender can seemingly have no end of accidental handballs? How does that make sense? It's either a handball or it isn't. What's good for the goose has got to be good for the gander. You can't say attacker, bad, on purpose, no goal, 
Defender, don't worry about it, mate. Flap your arms around as much as you want. Accidental, tis grand. That doesn't make sense. You can't have different rules for different players, different parts of the pitch, defenders or attackers. Make it one thing so we all understand it. Because one of the most basic rules of football, a handball, has been conflated so much that we all don't know what constitutes a handball anymore. People like myself and your good selves and pundits and former players, to a man, woman and child, nobody seems to really know what the hell a handball is. I'm really confused on that one. So I'd love to know your thoughts. If your arm is out from your body and is up, it's a handball. Well, then we should have had a penalty. Do you get what I mean, though? Like, again, you can come down on which either side of this you want. Even, like, I asked you to give the benefit of the doubt to Barkley that it was an accident. So that's an accident. Why is it when Raheem Sterling or an attacker does it, it's intentional? It doesn't make any sense to me. And it really gets to me. It really, really winds me up that we have different rules for different parts of the pitch or different positions. They both should have been handballs. Either that or they both shouldn't have been handballs. One or the other. You either give it all as a handball or none as a handball. This mix, depending on if you're attacking or defending, it's nonsense. It's like saying a foul in one part of the pitch. Like you've often heard somebody say, if that happens in another part of the pitch, it's a free kick. But when it happens in the penalty area, all of a sudden it's not a penalty. A foul's a foul, no matter where it happens. These are the type of things that are ruining football. VAR for goal lines and offsides only scrap the rest. So, as Ange Postacoglu said, everybody loves the goal line technology, right? There's once in a blue moon, like I mean once in, God not 10,000 games... You might have an incident where the goal line technology doesn't work for an incident. Okay, that's technology. You live with it. But we all love it. it. It's Nobody really argues. The ref looks at his arm. If the watch goes off, it's a goal. The players know there's nothing they can do. Um, so, yeah, it, it's, just, it's like football has two different sets of rules at times. They wouldn't even let the handball go when I was a kid, said uh, Deface Me Network. Or the Facemen Network. VAR is the best thing that ever happened to football. Yeah, of course it is, mate. Best thing that's ever happened to football. I don't know how you come up with that one. Honestly, I really don't. I'm not saying it's the worst thing either. But it defo isn't the best thing that ever happened to football. It's corrupt. FIFA, UEFA, FA. They're all bent, said Kevin John. Um... And Spaz Mickey, thank you for your super chat as well, mate. The VAR for goal line technology and offside. Scrap the rest. Do you know what, though? Even on the offside technology, mate, we need to be all using the same technology. So if UEFA bring out semi-assisted or automated offsides, it should be rolled out across all the top leagues. Nobody should have any say in it. If they've deemed that it's good enough to use in FIFA and UEFA competitions, then it should be rolled out across the Premier League, League 1, Serie A... But, of course, we know why it's not in the Premier League. And um, it's to do with, well, two things. The club's not voting for it. And also to do with the Nike footballs not being tested enough in the system. 
What do you think about the terrible calls that led to Wolves conceding a penalty in back-to-back games and dropping points? Shocking. Shocking. And again, you feel for Gary O'Neill. You feel for Wolves. Um, and he's not wrong. They have been shocking decisions. Uh, VAR could be easily be great. They just need to not be stupid. So, again, with VAR, we're constantly striving for perfection. And we're never going to get it. Because there will always be subjective things in football. But I feel like they're almost looking for things to rule goals out for now. Because they're so afraid of getting pulled up on something that they're over-analyzing stuff. Like, some of these things... I mean, what happened to the benefit of the doubt, as an example? Or, if it's really close, give the advantage to the attacker. These things seemingly go out the window. I think the Sterling one was explained as he was next, the next to touch the ball. Again, it, it doesn't matter how they explain it, Cam. It breaks down to two things. If an attacker accidentally, or it, well, I have to say accidentally, because if they purposely handball it, of course it should be ruled out. But if an attacker accidentally handballs it, and then scores, rule it out, handball. If a defender in the same area of the pitch accidentally hits his arm, nothing doing. How is that sensible? That the same law has two different interpretations depending if you're a defender or an attacker. It, it just doesn't make any sense to me, mate. And it doesn't matter how they explain it. We've seen two instances where the handballs were... Clear for all to see. And they had different outcomes. Uh, as a kid, once the ball hits your hand, it's a handball. Exactly. Like, if your hands are down by your side, fair enough. If somebody is in the penalty area and they flick the ball up and your hands are by your side, I get it. Fair enough. But when you're like this, it just doesn't make sense to me. All the time with football, in a game that, if you go back 15, 20 years, and you speak to, let's say, many Americans who don't watch a lot of football and hadn't gotten into it yet, one of the things that I used to hear a lot of the time was, the games are too low scoring. There's not enough action to keep people entertained over 90 minutes. Well, somehow they've now seemingly tried to find a way to make less goals happen in football. Not more. They've tried to make less goals happen. Think of many moments over the years. Go back through Liverpool in 2005. Wouldn't have happened. Because Jersey Dudek was off his line. Would have been pulled back. And that penalty out, penalty situation could have changed. Think of half of Alan Shearer's goals. Or half of Michael Owen's goals. Or Robbie Fowler's goals. How many of them would have been chalked off? History could have been very different. It feels like they're constantly looking for ways to change the game. Constantly feeling like they need to nitpick at everything. Leave it alone. The game's been as it is for hundreds of years. Did you see that Fulham leading the race for Andre and Liverpool looking at alternatives instead? So, I will move on to talk about that now because enough people have been asking about it. So look, on the Andre situation, it's important that you take a lot of the things that come out with a massive pinch of salt. So, a couple of things. According to Bruno Andrade, as you said, uh, he said Fulham lead the race to sign Andre. Another one said Fulham are currently leading the race to sign Fluminense's Andre. Liverpool are still working on options to strengthen in midfield in January. 
Then you can move on and find other articles from people speaking about them as well uh, to say that here's another one that comes in that said over in Italy, journalist uh, Giovanni Scotto has claimed that Napoli are looking to sign the 22-year-old and they're apparently only willing to bid about 15 million euro for Andre. So what I would say is this, whether it's Fulham or, well, let's go with Fulham in this. Do you think if Liverpool want to sign Andre and Fulham go head-to-head with Liverpool, that if we really want them, we're not going to get them? Of course we're going to get them if we want them. Now, if we don't want them, of course that's another conversation. But what I don't understand is, if we're looking at options, and I truly don't know, like I've been told to expect a bid for Andre. I've been told that. Many other journalists have intimated similarly. So I would say take it with a pinch of salt until the situation becomes a little bit clearer. Yes, Fulham are going to lose Joe Polina. He's probably going to go to Bayern Munich in the January window. So they're going to have to look for a replacement. But nobody can tell me that if you're Andre and you're offered Fulham and Liverpool, you aren't going to Liverpool. Because they're not going to outbid us. They're not going to outspend us. So it would come down to a straight decision for the player. And with all respect to Fulham, who are a good club, and they have a decent manager in Silva, come on. It's Liverpool. It's the cop. It's history, tradition, a great manager, amazing fans. I just think if we want them, we get them. If we don't want them, and Klopp is looking around elsewhere, then that's a different conversation, and one that, of course, I'm willing to have here. Uh, John said, City aren't a big club. How many decisions corrupt, said John. So, on Andre, if we're not looking at him, or if Bruno is right and we're looking elsewhere, I don't know where we're going to get better value, because 30 million euro for Andre is a very small amount of money in the grand scheme of things for a 22-year-old Brazil international who looks the part and we've tracked for quite a while. So if we're not going to go in for him, why are we going and who are we looking at? Because I'm very, very confused. It is abundantly clear we need a DM like tomorrow and we need to get one in by January. And with all the goodwill in the world right now, no indications of that Klopp trust with Toro or with Toro Endo just yet. Um, and we can't sit back and allow Andre to just go elsewhere if we've looked at him. I, like usually I'd say it could be a financial thing, but even at that, it doesn't make sense. Because 30 million euros is about, what, 26 million pound. It's a very reasonable fee. So I struggle to see where around Europe or elsewhere we could be looking for a better alternative. Any suggestions, by the way, fire them into the chat. I'd love to know them. Even if we don't get Andre, do you think we get another six? Well, we have to. Um, who was that? X pulls you. We have to. Like, even the journalists that say that Liverpool aren't going or may not sign Andre are all saying that we're at least looking up other options or weighing up our our options. I'm just struggling to figure out what those other options might be because we worked really hard on the Andre deal and were respectful and held off because they didn't want they'd no interest in selling them until January. 
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. And now when it comes time that he's available, the fee's reasonable, we need him still. I don't know. Um... Yeah, I'm baffled by by that um, by that headline today about Fulham. Only one better is Shuameni, but he's not available. Shuameni just isn't available and would cost probably almost three times the amount that Andre would cost. Uh, Calvin is so overrated. Uh, I don't want Calvin Phillips near Liverpool. No, not a chance. Uh, no way. I don't want somebody who can't get a look in at, Chelsea, or at Manchester City and hasn't played regular football and has injury concerns. I don't want him at Liverpool. And also ask yourself this question, genuinely. Do you think City are going to want to loan him to us or give him to us, on, like sell him to us? Can't see it happening. So, I think Calvin Phillips maybe uh, I've seen two things: Juventus and Newcastle. Now, obviously, that Newcastle Ruben Neves link is is still there and has been spoken about. But if they don't get him in, Calvin Phillips could be a, a decent option for them. Is the transfer market open? No, it doesn't open until January, my friend. But you can agree any deals, but they can't register players until January. Phillips is probably better than Andre, though. In what planet? So, you go get a 22-year-old who is getting rave reviews by a host of European clubs, available for a snip, with his whole career ahead of him. Or you get a 27-year-old, injury-prone, reject from Manchester City. I know which one I'd want. <laughs> and I, I I don't agree he's better either. I don't. Uh Florentino Luis could be it, being valued around forty million. Could be. Um There was some I can't remember what it was now, but I remember there was something about Florentino Luis that I'd read that gave a good indication as to why Liverpool may not look at him. Now, I can't for the life of me remember what it was, so I'm not even going to start guessing. Um, What's this marker sent me from the mail? One second. I'm just opening up this story. So, the mail sport have put out a story, they say, exclusive. 
Increased stoppage time in matches could lead to clubs paying huge amounts in additional appearance bonuses. I, 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 you'll have to read the article to get the gist of that. Um, actually, do you know what? Let's read the article and get the gist of it because I'm, I'm genuinely struggling to figure out uh, where the hell they got that from. But let's let's have a read of it and we'll see what they say. Do 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 do. Come on, lads, in your own time. Hurry up and load. Yeah, the story's not loading for me. Sorry, but anyway, suggestions. Why do we think? Uh, why do we think they're gonna have to pay? In- Is it because they're making more subs or something? That's the only thing I can think of. Uh, he had a bad attitude, said P One G. Is that Florentino Luis? I I I don't want to guess what it was, mate. I I just remember there was something I read that suggested there was a reason Liverpool weren't looking at him. Uh, Mark said he's as confused as I am. I think the only thing I can think of, Mark, is that it's the club's having to make more substitutions because of the amount of minutes the players are getting in their legs. And and that's leading to more appearance bonuses. That's all I can think of. Uh, do we have any non-EU spots left? I believe there's one. From the last time I've checked, I believe there's one. And... Two will be getting freed up, by the way, when we move on. Thiago Alcantara and Joe Matip. And actually, on Thiago, I do have a little bit of an update there. Um, Just before I do, sorry, before I go to the update, I just want to remind you guys about this amazing competition that Oosh are dropping. You can win up to 30,000 quid in prizes and 300 instant wins. It is just €2.49 to enter. Of course, you get your 10% discount code with the code AA10. They have 2,000 quid, three lots of 1,000 quid, four lots of 750 quid, six lots of 500 quid, 10 lots of 200 quid, one lot of a, or 20 lots of 100 quid, 41 lots of 50 quid, and oosh coins to give away. And once you buy your ticket, you get entered into, uh, you get given a number, which will put you into a draw as well for the big 10K draw. So get yourselves over to Oosh, use our referral code AA10. And they also have the high roller competition this week for Liverpool versus Fulham. 99 tickets only. It's 20 euro to enter. But again, you can use your discount code AA10 and you will win two tickets in the cop to see Liverpool Fulham. One night to hotel in the Adagio City Centre Hotel Liverpool and 300 quid on Ryanair vouchers or the cash. Right. Please don't say Thiago suffered another knock. Uh, no, not that. It's actually gone completely the other direction on Thiago. So, Fikajes, who we know have a residency uh, on a special island of ours, they say that Serie A giants Juventus and Inter Milan are both interested in signing Thiago Alcantara. Uh, 32-year-old, of course, has been plagued by injuries during his time at Liverpool since he joined from Bayern. They go on to say that Thiago yet to feature for the Reds, and speaking on Friday, Morgan Jurgen Klopp revealed that uh, the international is not set to return until the new year. So... If an offer came in to even let him go for free in January, I'd do it. I I would. I don't. I wouldn't even ask for a fee. I just don't see how he breaks in to the Liverpool squad this season with the rebuild of midfield we've had. And if he's not going to start playing till the start of January, so we've got what January, February, March, April—five months left in the season. 
and he will start to have to pick up match fitness. So you're still talking a while before he gets into that match rhythm. It just it doesn't seem worth it. it doesn't seem worth it considering he's got um, a few months left on his deal. Uh, also, some good news today. Calvin Ramsey had a positive step back, uh, making an appearance for Preston today in a, a 3-2 loss that they played in, in the Lancashire Cup. So he played 45 minutes. It was his first game back since being injured. So good news there for Calvin Ramsey. And hopefully he continues his, uh, his fight back to fitness. Uh, thoughts on Marzipan? Oh, not a fan, Jensk. Not a fan at all. It's one of uh, it's one of those things I, I just don't like. I could do a Stefan, Ryan and Sobosly midfield. How do you feel? Well, Stefan isn't available. I've just put the preview out, by the way. So when you finish the stream, please do give it a watch. I did my score prediction, predicted 11, the usual stuff. And um, the injury updates basically ahead of the game are we don't know yet with Curtis Jones. There was no news about whether Jones is going to be available or not. All we know is that he had a slight knock that ruled him out of the game against Luton. We know that Stefan Bajcetic and Thiago Alcantara won't be available. Ben Doak will, of course, travel, but I'd be surprised if he starts considering he hasn't started a game since he's come back. And Andy Robertson is the other long-term absentee, of course, with the dislocated shoulder that will keep him out till probably the new year. So that's as much uh, as I can tell you guys about our fitness levels or our availability of players uh, ahead of this game against Toulouse. I wonder if Kwanzaa can play as a six. <laughs> the fact that we're even having to ask that question, even jokingly, is frustrating, right? Because we need a six. And when I seen that story about Fulham and Andre today, I honestly felt like just putting my fist through the wall because here is this player that we've looked at is available for a reasonable fee is definitely available to buy we've monitored we sent scouts or we sent representatives over to watch the Copa Libertadores final as did Arsenal as did Fulham for what if we're not going to push ahead with it so I hope that these reports that Fulham are edging ahead are wide of the mark and maybe just trying to bluff Liverpool into making a bid but if it's not him I still come back to what I said earlier I just don't know who it might be uh, if I'm being honest with you I think Endo's a better player than McAllister at the minute Endo's been unreal well I think you're stretching how good Endo has been and being overly harsh on McAllister but, but I do understand what you're saying Lee Um Look, I'm all for Endo getting minutes. I'm with you on that, mate. I'm all for him getting a chance to play because we can't really make a good judgment call if we don't see enough of Endo. But on Alexis, I feel a little bit sorry for him because he's been asked to play in a position that just is not his position and he's taken some flack for that because he's not doing it as well as we've seen him play in the advanced positions. So I, can't, I agree with you on that. And in my predicted eleven. I have McAllister playing in a more advanced role. Uh, Pirate, who are? I don't know why I'm saying who are, because I'm sure Pirates aren't really in Ambrosia ads, and certainly not from Plymouth or that neck of the woods, but I meant to say are, but I went who are for some reason. There you go. So yes, Craig doesn't know what a Pirate does. Uh, I, got, I have a feeling we're going to sign a DM in January or maybe sign some random player. Well, we better sign one, because we need one. 
And it could be the difference between winning the Europa League and making a good rush in the Premier League or finishing fourth and, I don't know, going out in the quarters. I think we need to get in a player. We just need it. I I, I think we can last without a centre-back till the end of the season, but I don't think we can last without bringing in a DM. Or Klopp has to start playing Endo every single week and trusting him, one or the other. Like, let's say... Let's say Endo played most games between now and January. Do I see a situation where we, we don't bring in a, a defensive midfielder if he sets the world on fire? Well, yeah, because you'd have Bajcetic back as well. But as we sit here right now, we can't say that that's the case because we're not getting to see too much of him. Thoughts on Marmite? I've never tasted it, mate. Never tried it, so I uh, I couldn't give you a thought on it. Thoughts on potatoes? Yeah, no, never heard of them, mate. Never tasted them. Can't give you a, a an opinion on it. You know, if there's one thing you know about Irish people is we don't really have a relationship with potatoes. Was selling Fabinho a mistake? No, I don't think it was. I think not reinvesting all of the money in a bulletproof ready to go for the here and now defensive midfielder may have been a mistake, but I think £40 million for Fabinho was a fair price. Oh, have you guys seen, by the way, that um, Jordan Henderson's fantastic start to his Saudi Arabian career is continuing on from strength to strength, playing in a 1-0 loss at home in front of 696 people. But he's over there to grow the sport, God bless him. You know, he's fighting the good fight. Uh, struggling on with that huge wage of his but he is playing in front of that 696 people and losing by the way let me put that out and losing thoughts on Newcastle and Man United dropping down into the Europa um, more surprised on the Newcastle side of it um, I thought United best case scenario for them was second in that Champions League group and tomorrow will be a big night for them if they can go over to Copenhagen and get a win and back that up with a result in, in uh, against Galatasaray away, you know, they're right back on track. That defeat for Newcastle today was very damaging, though. Um, yeah, I think they're now destined for the Europa League. And that's why we need to, by the way, avoid finishing second in a group. We have to top our group because we don't want that extra game that we'd have to play uh, in the, uh, what do they call it, the... Is a playoff round or something? There's a round basically where the teams that drop out of the Champions League play the teams that finish second in the uh, Europa League stage, and they play off against each other for a place in the next round. Excuse me, in the next round of the Europa League. Um, so if you finish third in the Champions League and you finish second in the Europa League, there you go. You're gonna have another game. So we need to top the group to avoid that game. Some respect for our former captain. <laughs> I can't say this clearly enough. Fuck Jordan Henderson. He has zero respect from me. Zero. None. He's a hypocrite. So, no thank you. I will pass on that respect. Same way he passed on showing respect to the people he was an ally for. Or the manager that fought to get him a new contract. And pushed the owners to give him an extension. Only for it to be thrown back in his face. And his toys to be thrown out of the pram. When he didn't get guarantees. So I think I'm giving Jordan Henderson all the respect that he deserves. 
Preliminary round, that's the one, yes, sorry. Preliminary round, that's the phrase I was looking for. That's just pathetic. Aiden, and I mean this sincerely, don't watch. Do you know what's pathetic to me, Aiden? I'm an ally of the gay and LGBTQ plus community. I stand up for the rights of football. Football for everyone. And also, come to Saudi. Come to Saudi, where the money's great, and I'm here to grow the game. Definitely not here promoting Saudi for the Wonga. Definitely there for the good of the game. I'm all about morals, me. I'm Jordan Brian Henderson. No, mate, you sold them morals down the river when you ran off to Saudi and took, stuck two fingers up to the people you claimed to fight for. That's what's pathetic, my friend. That is pathetic. I'm a man of principle. I stand over my principles. I don't run away when the when the wages get big enough and forget everything that I fought for. So again, I will say, fuck Jordan Henderson. That's what was pathetic. No one's going to pay his bills, only him. Yeah, because yeah, Hendo has to worry about the bills. That's it. The millions upon millions he makes... God love him. He's probably sitting at home there worrying about the electricity bill coming in. He might have to go on to prepay power. The the, the excuse making to reward cowardice and to reward hypocrisy is pathetic. Does nobody have morals left? Is everybody just rolling over now and not standing up for anything? Does nothing mean anything anymore? If you profess to have a set of morals, then stand over them damn morals. Particularly when you've been made a multi-millionaire off the back of some of those morals. When you're being highlighted as an icon, as a, somebody who fights the good fight. You're happy to get all that publicity. You're happy to make all that wonga. But then when the wonga gets a little bit bigger, if you don't like these morals, I have another set of morals over here for you. That's pathetic in my book. Potty mouth. Yes, mate. I curse because I'm human. And I like cursing a lot. It really makes me happy. The more I can curse in a day, the happier I feel. Thoughts on moving Gakpo to midfield? Um. So, when I think of Cody Gakpo, and when I think of Cody Gakpo playing through the centre... I think of, I don't think of an out-and-out number nine. I think of the kind of Bobby Firmino-esque. So for me, one of Cody Gakpo's biggest strengths is linking play. He's great when he drops deep and picks up the ball. He's very good about getting away from a press. But also what I like and what I think, I think the idea was if he drops a little bit deep, right, um, you've got one or two things to happen. A defender either lets him go in which case, you know, he can drop between the lines to pick up play. Or a defender follows him, which in theory should open up a bit more space for either a third man run coming from midfield or Mohamed Salah or let's say Darwin Nunes or Diogo Jota or whoever else is playing in the front line. That's the theory. And that's kind of how I expected him to go when he was brought in and Jurgen Klopp starts speaking about the attributes of Cody Gakpo and um, the style of which he plays. So... Yeah, I love Cody Gakpo, by the way. I think he's a really silky smooth footballer. And um, I truly just don't know his best position, though, for us. Because 
a lot of people want Darwin through the centre, but I actually like Darwin operating from the left because he can come into the space that either Cody Gakpo uh, draws the defenders to vacate or he can just drift inside naturally as we've seen him do when he scored the goal um, in the League Cup against Bournemouth. And uh, again, what a goal. What a goal. So yeah, it's a difficult one. Um, what do you guys think? Like, where, where do you like to see Cody Gakpo? I mean, we all love him, which is which is a great start. He's been a great addition to the team. And you know what I didn't know about Cody Gakpo, actually, until about a month ago? <coughs> Excuse me. I didn't realise how much of um, a, de- a devout religious belief he has. And I've often asked myself how he can... You know, obviously he's Dutch and we have this kind of stereotype of Dutch being relaxed and calm. But I think his faith helps him a lot as well, from what I've read. Um, he's a very deeply spiritual and religious person and he speaks about how that forms part of who he is and part of his life and how he likes to give back. And again, it's beautiful to see that we have players who are who are just good fellas, you know, whether it be Mo or Sadio before him, um, obviously Cody in this case. We, we've always been lucky that we've had a great group of footballers who remember where they come from and that as well. And Klopp brings in, you know, good people to the football club. But I didn't know anything about Gakpo's um, spiritual beliefs, but... Um, it's it's good to get a view of what forms people and makes them the people, the man or women that they are, you know. And for Cody, he just really comes across as not just a good footballer, but a top top lad as well. Um, off the left said LFC Mule is where he'd like to see. Uh, am I doing the Manx tomorrow? Yes, Dave, I am. There'll be no Anfield Agenda live stream tomorrow. I'm at my psychologist from five till six, and I won't be home till about seven. So I'll get a video out on Anfield Agenda tomorrow night, but. Uh, we'll be doing a watch along on top of the league, yes, of the uh, Copenhagen Manchester United game from half past seven. Craig, what's your favourite Justin Bieber song? You probably expect me to say I don't have one, right? Um, but I do. I just don't know what the name of it is. Um, what's the one? The my mom, I don't like you, but she likes everyone. That song. Because I like the music video to that. It's very kind of new agey dancey. Uh, but look, Justin Bieber's had some great songs over the year, in fairness. Like, I'm not a, I'm not against a little bit of cheesy pop. Uh, Klopp is quite a religious man. There's a theme. Yes, I think religion plays a big part in Jürgen's life as well. I think he's spoken about that previously. Um, and look, again, as I've said before, whatever makes people happy, whatever finds people comfort and solace and focus and calm brilliant if you have that in your life and you know you can lean into it and it brings you joy have at it enjoy yourself and be your best be your best per- be your best self i should say love yourself yes we all love loving ourselves don't we let's be honest i uh, i particularly love loving myself what happened to jordan henderson i, I don't know mate never heard of him no idea who he is Do you feel the same about Bobby and Saudi? No, I don't. Again, Bobby didn't profess to be one thing and then run away. Bobby made an offer to go to play, in, or Bobby made a decision to go play in Saudi. That's between him and his family. But Bobby wasn't being held up as a, you know, a beacon of morality by the British media and by the FA and by everybody else. And Bobby wasn't 
going out of his way to make it be known that he was fighting for rights of people and then ran off. So, no, I don't feel the same about Bobby going over. I don't like that he went over. I don't like that Gerrard's gone over. But I, it certainly doesn't sting me the same way that Henderson, because of for the reasons I've said. Uh, good to see we have a mix of religion as well. Look, as I've said before, if you're a spiritual person, be that religious or you believe in energy or whatever, if it makes you happy and it brings you comfort in your life, surely that's something we should encourage for people. Uh, have you ever met somebody called Martina? I think I probably have at some point in my life met somebody called Martina. It's not a name I actually know somebody very well that's called Martina. Is Lucho when you're starting 11 to take on Toulouse? Well, Lee, I want you to watch, dude. No, he isn't, mate. No, I haven't put him. I've actually got Jota on the left, if I'm being honest. Now, that's all you're getting out of me, Lee. I'm not giving you the whole team. Uh, keep up the good work. Love the channel. Kieran, you're very kind, mate. Thank you. Appreciate you. Craig, uh, if you don't mind me asking, could I become a mod? We, we truly just don't need any of them in it. Arian, mate, it's it's nothing to do with your good self, buddy. It's just, you know, thankfully, the mods that we have are uh, are able to cope with the volume of traffic we have at the minute. But if it increases, we can certainly revisit. I swear to God, Bobby's exit still hits hard. It does. I, I find myself wanting to sing the Bobby song even now during games. You know, if I'm doing a watch along, the Bobby song is, is just one that pops into my head all the time, like... Yeah, I'm, I've got a painting of Bobby over there on my wall. Like, and uh, yeah, as you know, he was my favorite player at the club. I love your content, Craig. Always honest. That's the only thing I'll ever promise, mate. You know, I'm not promising you like everything I say. I'm not promising that I have the answers to everything. But I can always promise you I'll give you my unfiltered, honest opinion. And if you agree or disagree with it, that's up to your good selves. But that's all I'll ever, all I've ever promised from day one is honesty. Is there any news on the Lucho situation? So I've got to be honest, Craig, and say I'm not aware of any change. Um, yeah, I've been, I've tried to be very, very careful about this situation because obviously it's a very delicate situation, and I don't want to give out any misinformation at all. So, um, all I'll say is, like all of us, I'm, I'm hoping and looking forward to the re him being reunited with his father and the family being made whole again as we all are okay so mark sent me through something here i'm gonna read it out he said I had to copy and paste this on monday night a total of 21 minutes of additional time was added to chelsea's chaotic 4-1 win against spurs um to ensure a more accurate calculation of additional time in line with recent IFAB International Football Association Board guidance has resulted in matches being significantly extended uh, and substitutes are spending more time on the pitch. For example, Eric Dyer was introduced in Tottenham in the 34th minute, ended up playing 77 minutes in the game, and the male sport has learned that player representatives are holding talks with clubs with a view to ensuring their clients profit because they're spending more minutes on the pitch makes a little bit of sense from their perspective but from the club's perspective they're not making more money the games are the games the tv rights are the tv rights so yeah 
it's, it's a weird one this season with the extra because I understand what the referees and what the PGO MOL are trying to do. They're trying to cut down on time wasting <coughs> and make sure that those minutes are played. But I think what we're ending up with is the time wasting still happening and we're just getting longer and longer games. So I did a watch along of that game last night. And normally if you start to watch along for a game that kicks off at 8, you're done by 5 to 10. 5 minutes past, 10 minutes past, 10 last night, I was still on. That goes to show you how long these things are going on now. If we got Mbappe, big if, uh, would Lucho be a good right winger? I guess it depends. There's this fascination at the minute, it, uh, it's the urban, with inverted wingers, right? And maybe in two seasons' time, inverted wingers won't be the thing anymore. So it's tough to know because we've seen forward switch wings before. I keep coming back to the, you know, Sadio Mane started on the right-hand side for Liverpool till Mo came and then Sadio went over to the left and now we all think of him as this inverted left-sided attacker. Origi is clutch. Nobody can recreate those memories. Oh, he scores some big, big goals. Uh, my favourite, though, I know everybody goes to the Barcelona ones, and that is the right answer. But that Everton one, for me, where Verge mishit the ball and Pickford jumped up and it bounced off the bar, I don't think I've ever been happier for a team to get beaten by us than I was in that moment when Origi scored that goal against Everton. Still to this day, that one still makes me smile when I think about it. Mbappe can play right wing as well. He can play anywhere, man. You can play through the centre. I mean, look, if you've got him in your team or in your squad, you're finding somewhere for him to play. Uh, Craig, I would love to see Gakpo off the left, Nunes through the middle, and Salah on the right. Thoughts? Uh, he said, feel like we haven't done that since 7-0 game. Gagpro off the left, news them in I'm fine with that. Uh, like, I don't mind Darwin on the left or through the centre. I'm kind of, I'm an equal opportunist when it comes to Darwin. I don't mind which part he plays. Same with Cody. I think either can play in either position like you've mentioned. Uh, Fabinho's old coach Nuno just got sacked. Wow. Um, And they put together quite a good team. That with Nuno there. Um, so yeah, there you go. Just got sacked. The Barca goal was the best. Oh look, Lee, it was a great goal, mate. Don't get me wrong. That moment, the and it, I think I don't think Lee had ever really gets the credit for technically how difficult of a goal that was as well. You know, he had to kind of sweep the ball and guide at the same time. It was a very good goal. It's just that one for me, Lee, because Klopp ran on the pitch. He was. I don't know if he was chest bumping or high five and Allison, but I remember he came on and had a thing with Allison, and um, yeah, I just I just loved that one. That was just one that will always stand out to me. Let's have a look at this poll. So I said, should VAR be taken away? And we've had over eleven hundred, nearly twelve hundred votes on it, and uh, yes is fifty four percent, and no is forty six percent. So. Yeah, it's probably about where I thought. Um, I think I'd I'd vote if I had a vote, and in this you know fictitious world, 
I'd vote to get rid of it at this point. I'd rather go back to the days where we just have to to put up with a an incorrect offside decision. You know, at least if if it's <coughs> human error, it feels easier to to take that than a subjective decision that they've looked at and analysed. To me, it just feels a little bit easier to put up with it. A half yard off or on from a linesman and to be fair to the linesman they're really good these days at their judgment calls i know they get told to leave the flag down for some instances but more often than not linesmen these days are pretty damn good how about we keep var said um battle dad prime Scrap the PGMOL and create a high-quality, fully accountable refereeing institution with ongoing training and more transparency. Yes, sir. Sounds, as you've said, it's not rocket science and you're not going to get any argument from me, my friend. Absolutely. I did notice earlier on when I was watching the uh, the Dortmund-Newcastle game, there was an ad f- from UEFA on the bottom that said, become a referee and then it had a link. So they're obviously on a bit of a recruitment drive to try and bring in more referees. I've had this idea as well. What was this gentleman's name again? Battle Dad Prime. I've had this idea for a long time as well that I think there should be a group of referees that are centralised to UEFA that manage in different leagues all the time. So let's say you have a group of, I don't know how many you'd need. uh, I don't know, it doesn't matter. Let's say 100 referees or 200 referees and they spend some time in every league. So in this day and age, with the money that's in football, we can afford to fly referees from country to country. So you have referees from England, refereeing in Spain, referees from Spain and Italy, referees from Italy and England, and all this. I think that would give us two things. It would give us less bias or less potential bias or um, even subconscious bias from referees who may have had negative instances or negative situations with other clubs before. And it would also give us a better understanding of what to expect in Europe, the way games are officiated. So we've all grown up and we've all heard these conversations where, well, that wouldn't happen in the Premier League or in Europe, that would be a penalty. I think if we had a mixture of referees who were doing the rounds, it could solve a lot of problems. I've always wondered why we don't have that. Like, it's not a money thing in football anymore. There's definitely enough money. Um, Indian Scouser said yesterday's Spurs match is enough to tell VAR to get out no VAR yes offside slash goal line technology and better referees said it's the urban I'd be up for that automated offside technology goal line technology and I'd like the goal line technology to extend all the way around the perimeter of the pitch that like to stop these I don't want to say it happens all the time, but look, anything can assist the referee to let them know whether the ball was out or a linesman because sometimes they're quite a distance away and they're having to make their best judgment call. So I'd like that to be around the perimeter of the pitch where possible. JC Galvanil, your big legend, has just gifted 10 Anfield Agenda memberships. Thank you, mate. Uh, get foreign refs in the Prem, said Press Salah. That's kind of what I was suggesting earlier on. Like this group of high-level officials that like rotate around the top leagues in Europe. We must focus on defence as attack wins your games, but defence wins your titles. Uh, yeah, but to help our defence, we need, a, I think, a more structured holding midfielder ahead, which should hopefully help out the defence. But you're not wrong on what you say. For the longest time, Liverpool 
had no problem scoring goals, but until we got Verge and Allison in, we were uh, we were a bit more leaky at the back. Craig, the VAR team against Tottenham spent their time in Saudi prior to the Tottenham game, so that doesn't work. Did I say Saudi? Did I mention three time zones and six-hour flights? I said around the top leagues in Europe, France, Spain, Italy, Germany, two-and-a-half-hour flights. A lot different to going over and refereeing in a, a very, very low-tech league in Saudi with a six-hour flight and I think three time zones to go through. It's a little bit different. Uh, European refs dislike Liverpool, or at least it feels like it. I mean, don't know. Don't really have many memories of feeling shafted. Like, you'll get referees that always feel like they're homers. And what I mean by that is they give hometown decisions. I think you'll always get that to some extent in Europe. But I don't really remember feeling like every time we go away, we get shafted in Europe. Not to my own memories anyway. Replace refs with robots. I am robot. You are fucking off. Bye bye, bitch. What do you think about Anthony Taylor as a ref for the Brentford game? He's not. Paul Tierney is the ref for the Brentford game. Um, just to go through again so people can get the full list of officials. So for the Brentford game, it's Paul Tierney as the ref, Scott Ledger and Mark Scholes as the assistants, Tim Robinson as the fourth official with Stuart Atwell on VAR. Uh, I like backs to the wall and fighting the establishment. That's the rebellious Liverpool way. It's the Irish way as well, which is why I think we're very similar. Uh, pray that Nunes wins us to Liverpool or the City game. Oh, look, I'm very nervous about that one coming up. But look, my friends, I'm going to say goodnight to you all. And I will see you hopefully tomorrow on top of the league at half past seven, where I'll be doing Copenhagen against Manchester United in the Champions League. Um, do drop over and... We're closing in on 20k. We're over 19,100 at the minute. So hopefully see you over there tomorrow. Thank you again to our sponsors, Oosh. Don't forget you can use AA10 as your discount code to get 10% off on any of the Oosh draws. Check out the Oosh website for further information. And uh, yeah, appreciate you all tonight. And I will see you tomorrow. Much love. Bye-bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.